think that was it. All right, you got your Bible. You got your Bible, John. Open to the Gospel of John. We're finishing up now. <clears throat> and flip over to the John chapter 21. So we're finishing up uh, the Gospel of John, teaching out of uh, the series. We're kind of in a series. We're kind of uh, in a, a focus of uh, who is Jesus. And so as we're talking about who is Jesus, uh, we're asking the question, who is he and then who am I in relation to him? And uh, if, he's, if he's the bread of life, what does that mean for me? If he's the way, the truth, and the life, what does that mean to me? And so uh, we're at the end of the Gospel of John, <clears throat> John chapter 21. Um, and uh, we're going to read most of the chapter, starting in verse 1, and uh, we'll break it down. Context is, uh, in John chapter 18, Jesus, or sorry, Peter denied Jesus, right? Peter, we talked about that last week, he totally failed. And uh, some guys asked him if he, if he knew who Jesus was, and he said no. He said no three times, three times he denies Jesus. And then uh, we find out uh, Jesus uh, goes on the story. He ends up getting uh, put to death on a cross. Uh, he carries a cross, he carries this wooden beam that is arguably probably 90 pounds. Uh, he carries it up to the top of a mountain or a hill, and uh, they, they tie it uh, next to this uh, another beam, and they stick him into the ground, <clears throat> stick that beam into the ground, and he hangs um, naked, bleeding, uh, on a cross for the sins of the world. Uh, then the Bible says he breathes his last breath. They take a spear. They stab it into his side. The Bible says blood and water comes out, showing that he truly was a human. He wasn't just a spirit. He actually had blood and, and water, which is, it was a sack that comes around your heart to protect your heart. And blood and water pours out, and uh, they put him in a tomb. And three uh, days later, uh, Jesus proves that death can't hold him down. He rises again from the dead, and he shows himself to over 500 people and shows that he truly is God and that uh, he's died for the sins of his people. And uh, then, um, in this time, we pick up in John chapter 21. Uh, Previously, he had revealed himself a couple times to the disciples. They're sitting in a room, talking about um, uh, Elmo. And as they're talking about Elmo, just seeing if you're listening. They weren't talking about Elmo. But they were talking about something, and Jesus just appears in the room. And they're like, wow, crazy. And they have these conversations and talk. And Jesus says, you know, this is me. You know, don't be afraid. It's okay. Hang in there. And then they go to Galilee. Say Galilee. Galilee. They go to Galilee. And uh, in verse 21, uh, or chapter 21, verse 1, we pick up. So Jesus has been risen from the dead. And and he showed himself to lots and lots of people. But now he shows himself one more time. All right, you follow me? You with me? Verse 1. Later. This is the New Living Translation. Later, Jesus appeared again. Say again. To the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, his nickname was a twin. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Some, uh, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. 
Say that with me. I'm going fishing. About six of you. Come on. Peter says, I'm going fishing. That's my son. I just started, bro. Just started. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. So they go to Galilee. Jesus told them, you got to get the picture. Jesus said, hey, go to Galilee. Wait for me there. And when you're there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show myself. So they're hanging out. They're at Galilee. And Peter realizes there's fish in the sea. Let's go get fish. I'm going fishing. You got to understand that the, the, the previous occupation, the previous job that P- Peter gave his life to was to fishing, right? His whole life was built around his dad's business and his business of catching fish, filleting fish, and giving fish for money. And Peter gave that life up for three and a half years as he followed Jesus around. He didn't fish at all from what we can tell. Um, and then... Um, we find here, they're waiting. Peter is kind of discouraged because just a few days ago, uh, he denies Jesus. Uh, he sees Jesus a couple of times, but Jesus and Peter never had a heart-to-heart since Peter denied Jesus. You know, he sees Jesus, okay, he's risen again, but does Jesus actually love me? And, and are we cool? Are we good? What's going on? Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples say, we'll come too. So they went out into the boat. But they caught nothing. Say nothing. Come on, say nothing. They caught nothing all night long. At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach. You with me? Sun is rising. They look out. They couldn't see who he was. So they called out. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. So Jesus is standing on the, on the beach. He sees the guys out there. They can't really tell who it is exactly. And Jesus says, you guys have any fish? And he said, no. He said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. Say plenty. Come on, say plenty. plenty. All right, get plenty of fish. So they did, and they couldn't draw in the net because there was so many fish. In the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the guy who's writing the book. Then the disciple who Jesus loved uh, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. He put on his outer garment. Apparently he was naked. For he had stripped it for work. He jumped into the water. So the picture is he's most definitely just standing in his underwear. I don't know, it's probably a hot you know, day, or he's just really warm from fishing all night long. But he's standing there in his underwear, and he sees Jesus. And usually, I don't know about you, but when I go swimming, I don't put clothes on. Well, I mean, I wear some sort of clothes, but I don't, I don't put clothes on. I take clothes off. I, I go with shorts on. Uh, this guy's like, oh, I'm going to go swimming. So he puts on clothing and jumps in. <laughs> To the water. I don't understand. And I even studied this out. There's really no con- context for this other than, you know, maybe he just wanted his clothing on him. Um, that's the only thing that we can pull from this story is that J- Peter just wanted clothing. We can't pull from it that he was cold uh, because it doesn't, putting clothing on the water doesn't really help anything because when you get out, you're just more cold because you just got drenched clothing on you, right? Normally you'd put on 
warm clothing? What are you? Oh, thank you. Uh, so normally you put on warm clothing or clothing that's dry afterwards. But let's think of it this way. Peter, what did he just do a few days before? He denied Jesus. What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned against God in the garden? What else did they do? They covered themselves. It could just be a coincidence. But could it be that Peter was still dealing with guilt? And you know how you feel when you feel really guilty and shameful? And then you're naked? Like they know about what you did? Not naked in the practical sense, but naked in the spiritual sense. Like you're open. They can see everything you've done. You just feel a bit more kind of guilty and shameful, right? And just like Adam and Eve, when they realized what they had done, they covered themselves. The picture is Peter, when he sees Jesus, he puts his clothes on, and then he jumps into the water to approach Jesus. He put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and he swam to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 300 feet. When they got there, they saw that a charcoal fire was burning and fish were frying over it, and there was bread. Okay. Jesus apparently cooked up a little fire, started up a little fire, and he's got fish on there cooking. I don't know where he got the fish, but he's got fish cooking. Maybe, who knows? He may have had a, like a modern-day fishing pole and uh, was just pulling in fish. And so the fish were cooking, and there's bread on there as well. So it's all heating up. And then Jesus says to Peter, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There was 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't even torn. Crazy, huh? Then Jesus served them. Where am I at? Okay, now now come and have some breakfast. So... There's a bunch of fish. He brings it over, but there's already fish and bread cooking on the hot fire. He brings the fish. So there's a big bag of fish sitting right next to, right next to the, the fire. So a big bag of fish and, or a net of fish, and there's already fish and bread cooking. And Jesus tells them to come sit down, come eat some breakfast. So you've got to understand, the fish that was cooking was already there before the disciples brought the fish in. You with me? You following me? There's already fish provided. They didn't bring the fish from the net. The fish was already there. Jesus provides the fish. Okay. Now come and have some breakfast. Jesus said, and no one dared ask him if he really was the Lord because they were sure of it. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, uh, Simon, son of John, which in other words, Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, context, Jesus just asked Peter to grab the net of fish. Peter drags it over. He sets it down. They're sitting there eating fish and bread on the beach. And Jesus, right when they get done, right? They got done eating. They're full. They had their fill. They had their food. They, they, they were just sitting there hanging out. And Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Jesus was not saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? Because Jesus doesn't compare, right? He doesn't say, hey, do you love me more than that brother over there? That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't do that to us. But Jesus would ask us something like, 
Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these fish? If you remember, back in, I think it was February, I taught on the same passage, uh, but I'm going to teach on it from a different perspective tonight. I'm, gonna, I'm not, 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 a different, um, uh, not a different truth, but a different view of this passage. Okay? The last time I taught from this passage, the whole idea and the whole concept was, do you love Jesus even when everything isn't going amazing? Uh, do you love Jesus um, even when life isn't as you hoped it would be? Uh, do you love Jesus even when you realize you're a failure? Do you love Jesus? But tonight we're going to look at it in a different way. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Again, there's three uh, words for love. I'm, tr- I'm trying to set up context. Well, there's three words for love in the Greek language. There's eros, there's phileo, and there's agape. Eros, phileo, and agape. Eros is, is like the weakest kind of uh, love. It's, 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 like, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're buddies, you know. That's kind of eros, you know. And then there's uh, phileo. Phileo is like a brotherly, uh, kindred uh, love. Like, you're my friend. I like you. I enjoy you. We're buddies. Uh, we're more than just eros. There's this kind of second level of love. It's, it's, it's what, it's what uh, we all uh, can do with one. We can have phileo. Like, you're my, not filet fish, but phileo is, is a Greek word, uh, another Greek word for love. But the third Greek word for love is agape, and that's the word that Jesus uses when he speaks of his love for us. It's an unconditional love that man does not have in and of himself. Humans cannot have this unconditional agape love. This is a character trait. This is a, a, a character trait of who God is in nature. God is love. You following me? When Jesus asks Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He uses the word agape. Uh, so P- Jesus uses a different word. He doesn't use... <clears throat> Excuse me. He doesn't use eros, and he doesn't use <coughs> phileo. He uses agape. My throat is killing me. When Peter responds, he uses the word phileo. So when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Jesus is saying, Peter, do you unconditionally love me? <coughs> Peter responds and says, Jesus I like you. You following me? Jesus, you know that I like you. He says, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, do you agape me? Do you un- will you lay your life down for me, Peter? Do you love me no matter what? Without a condition. Disregarding the circumstances and situations, do you unconditionally love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I like you. Then take care of my sheep. Once more he asked him, Simon, do you phileo me? This time Jesus asked, Not do you unconditionally love me, but Peter, do you conditionally love me? Peter, do you like me? Peter, are we, I mean, are we buddies? I mean, Peter, do you like me when everything's going well in your life? 
Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time when he said, and Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know I phileo you. You got to understand the context. The context is just crazy. Peter had promised Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm committed. I love you so much, Jesus. I'm never going to turn from you. I'm going to be committed till the end. That's the last thing he said to Jesus. And then a few hours later, Peter does what, what he said he would never do. He denies Jesus. He completely denies him three times. So Jesus sits down with him and says, Peter, do you really love me, Peter? And Peter's like, I get it. You told me. You told me I was going to deny you. You told me that I was going to, you told me I was going to forsake you. You told me I didn't really, really love you. You told me that I was going to fail completely and miserably. I get it. You know everything. You know that I only like you. You know that I can't really fully love you because I just don't have that in me. I get it, Lord. I, I get it. You, you see everything. You know, you know that I only like you. Do you hear the context? Do you see the difference? See, but in our English translation, it says love, love, love. But there's actually two different words being used. And Peter is, is coming to Jesus, and Jesus is coming to Peter. There's this, there's, this con, there's, this, there's this conversation that's happening, and to all the other disciples, they know what's happening. They know that Peter stood up in the dinner table and said, I'm never going to deny you because I love you, and I'm committed, and I'm going to die for you, Lord. I'm, there's no conditions here. Unconditional. My commitment to you. So the disciples know he denied him three times. Jesus is asking him three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, you know everything. You know that I am not totally committed to you. Can anybody relate with that? Am I the only one? Can anybody relate with Peter when we realize, gosh, I've made all those promises. I made all those commitments. But the truth is, I, I can't, I don't really, really love him. I mean, I love him, but I don't like, you know, I don't like really love him. I mean, like, I can't compare his love with my love because his love just totally wins out. But I love him. But I mean, not totally. I mean, kind of. But, but, but I do. You see what's happening in Peter's heart? But then, but then every time that Peter admits that he only likes Jesus and that he's not, he, I mean, he loves him, but he doesn't really love him. I mean, he's like, yeah, we're brothers, but I'm not unconditionally in love with you because I don't really know how to do that. Every time Jesus says, he says these three different things. He says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Flip over to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 8. Hey, Cameron, what, what translation is that, man? 
you know, we got it really nice. You know, over in the uh, over in in certain parts of Asia, uh, where it's the gospel is hostile, where where if you're a Christian, uh, they will put you to death for your faith. Um, they don't have individually. They don't individually have their own Bibles. Uh, they actually have one Bible as a whole church, and they rip the pages out and they pass the pages around every week, and they trade. Um, they, they trade pages every week. You got Isaiah 46? Okay, I got John 13. Here you go. Like, that's not, that wasn't happening necessarily 2000. Like that's happening, like, right now. Like, that's happening. And so we're definitely privileged to have our own Bible and many translations, and even on our iPhones. I mean, my goodness. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Thanks, bro. Owe no one anything except love. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you with the way that we know how. We love you back. We thank you for your constant mercy for us. We thank you that you've saved us and you've redeemed us. And we ask that you'd help us to live a life in response to that. And truly love your people as you've loved us. We bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Peter, do you love me? Crazy crazy story, very challenging, uh, very, very real. You got to get the picture. They're sitting around a fire. There's seven of them and then Jesus. They had just watched Jesus betrayed into the hands of angry Jewish people and brought to an angry Roman mob who were authorized to kill and crucify, murder Jesus while he was completely naked, stripped him from all of his dignity. They watched Jesus from a distance breathe his last breath. Their hopes and dreams and aspirations were completely shattered. And a few days later, they hear from a few women in their group that the tomb where Jesus was laid, the stone had been rolled away, And his body was no longer there. And they came across an angel. And the angel said, who are you looking for? Jesus rose again. He told you he would rise again. And he actually did. He wasn't kidding. It's a true story. Jesus isn't in the tomb anymore. Go back. Tell the disciples. And tell Peter. Because Peter doesn't think he's a disciple anymore. So go back and tell Peter too. Because... 
He really did a big no-no, and he's really beating himself up right now. So tell the disciples, and make sure you tell Peter to go ahead to Galilee and wait for him there because he's going to meet them there. And the women are like, oh, my gosh. They run back. And you know the story. Some of them were questioning it. Some of them believed it. Jesus ended up showing himself a couple times. And we pick up here where Jesus said, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show myself to you guys so you guys will know that this was a real deal. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Now, when you think about the picture, though, we got to think, we got to think, we got to put ourselves in their, in their feet. They're sitting on a beach, and there's a fire in the middle of them, okay? And, and when, when the disciples come walking up, there's already fish, and there's already bread sitting on the coals, heated up. You following me? Come on. You got it, you got it in your mind? Picture it with me. Sitting on the beach. Jesus is stoking the fire, and there's bread, and there's fish just ready, ready. Jesus says, hey, come, come eat some breakfast. Hey, Peter, go grab the net. Peter, Peter go grab the net of all those fish and, and, and bring it over here so we can, so we can sit down. Why, why did Jesus ask Peter to go grab the net? That's, that's my first question. Why did Jesus ask Peter to go grab the net? Peter, we're going to eat some breakfast. I mean, they already had fish there and bread there. I mean, there's already enough food there. They didn't cook any more food. It insinuates that Jesus had already been cooking food for them. And so he tells Peter, now you've got to understand, it took six guys to drag the net back to shore. And now Jesus is telling Peter to go grab the net by himself. It was 153 large fish, and he's supposed to drag it back to where they're all sitting down eating food. I think Jesus is trying to show him something. I think, I think Jesus is trying to get something to Peter's head. Peter, what happened last night, bro? I, I, didn't, I didn't catch anything. Do you, hey, do you guys have any fish? I mean, they've been fishing all night long. Similar story in Luke chapter 5. You know the story. Remember Peter is fishing. They fish all night long. They caught nothing. Jesus says, hey, put your net on the other side. And they catch so many fish, the boat starts sinking. Similar story. Jesus is trying to tell Peter something. Hey, Peter, you got any fish out there, bro? No? All right, just put your net on the other side. And instantly, they pull in such a large catch that their boat starts sinking again. Jesus showing himself off. Peter's going crazy. Most people, when they go crazy, they take their clothes off. He puts his clothes on. Jumps in the water, swims to shore, sits down. He's giddy. He's excited. Disciples pull up in the boat. Jesus says, hey, come get some breakfast. And Peter, go get the large net. I mean, I don't know how long it took Peter, but, man, he must have been I'm sure the other disciples had to come help him. You know what I mean? He wasn't able to do that by himself. But I think that was the idea. Jesus wanted Peter to realize, Peter, by yourself, you can't do nothing, man. Peter... Without me, you're going to catch no fish. Peter, without me, you're a failure. Hope you're encouraged tonight. (laughs) I mean, if Peter was anything more than a failure, then he doesn't need Jesus. Right? I mean, if we're anything more than a failure, 
then we can find that, that little success and work it up and up until we're really successful. So the first lesson, Jesus is trying to get to Peter. Peter, you're a failure. We talked about it last week. Be okay with being a failure. It's the first step to relationship with Jesus. You and I are failures apart from Jesus. That's the bad news and the good news. I mean, think about it. They hadn't caught anything. Jesus goes, I mean... Do you think it was like Jesus had some cool like wisdom? Like, like, do you think they hadn't tried that side of the boat all night long? Do you think they just stuck on one side? No, they've been fishing both sides all night long, trying to catch some fish. Caught nothing. Peter, without me, bro, you're a failure. In your own strength, in your own might, in your own ability, you're a failure. Peter, You completely denied me. You completely failed. You completely left me. But look, bro, I'm standing again. I rose from the dead. And I'm the winner, bro. I got holes in my hands. I I got a hole in my side. I got holes in my feet to prove it. I don't need you, Peter. Peter, you need me. Without me, Peter, you're a failure. But with me, with me, Peter, you got more than enough. Peter, when you're in relation with me, you don't only have enough fish for yourself, Peter. You got more than enough fish for everybody. Peter, I really want you to get this, bro. You're a failure. But when I step into your life, you're not just successful but I cook up a nice breakfast for you and I fill your hunger and when you're satisfied and sitting there, I got a net over here of 153 fish that will last you for the rest of your life and will provide the rest of this year and it will provide for your family. And Peter, just in case you ever start running out, don't worry, bro, because I can do it again. Peter, I'm more than enough. Man, if there's anything that we've been learning in this past, I don't know how long, 10 weeks we've been studying the life of Jesus and who he is and who he isn't. If there's anything we've realized, Jesus is more than enough. And the problem isn't, I need more Jesus. The problem is, do I realize the Jesus that I have? It's all perspective, folks, right? I mean, it's all perspective. I mean, if we're going to use this story as an awesome example, Peter had been completely filled. He had breakfast. He's reclining, and there's a bag of fish sitting there. Peter, when I'm in your life, you got more than enough. But apart from me, you got nothing, bro. What does that mean? Peter needs to pray more? Does that mean that Peter needed to go out there and work really hard and go make sure that he he asked Jesus enough for some fish? Or did he just accept, I ate my fill, and now I have 153 fish for other people? Jesus says these three crazy statements. 
feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Peter, I mean, you got to think of this. He's sitting there. They're sitting down. And he says, Peter, you love me more than these? The fish, big bag, they're laying out. Lord, you know that I just conditionally like you. You, 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 Of course, you know. know. Peter, take the excess that I've given you and take care of my sheep. Peter, I haven't only saved you. I've given you grace upon 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 grace. Upon grace, upon grace. Peter, and Peter, just so you know, that grace never stops. I know you feel like you're a loser right now because by yourself you are, but now, Peter, you're, you're like the biggest winner in the world, bro. And I didn't give you all this fish so that you could eat it yourself, Peter. I already filled you. See, I filled you up. But I got so much more. I'm wanting you, Peter, to take what I've given you, and I want you to go take care of my people. You know, I think it's sad how much I forget who Jesus is to me. It's really sad how much I forget in the middle of tough circumstances in the middle of tough situations it don't matter where i am or where i was or what i did or what i haven't done i just continue to find that that when i wake up in the morning feeling like p diddy i mean when i wake up in the morning i i realize that i that i don't that i don't really love jesus when i wake up in the morning i realize I, I allow my circumstances and how I feel to determine how I'm going to live that day. I realize when I wake up in the morning, I allow how my mom, which my mom doesn't live with me, but I'm using this as an example for those of you who live with your mom. When I wake up in the morning, I realize that my mom, the way my mom treats me, determines how I'm going to live that day. I realize that when I wake up in the morning, depending on how the weather is outside, also alters the way that I live that day. I allow how my hair, and I use this as an example, not only for, you, for me, but for you, I, I, I realize how my hair alters the way I live that day, if it's a good hair day or a bad hair day. And these are real things. People really hurt us, and things really just sometimes suck. But guys, we got a net full of fish. And they're big ones. And Jesus has already filled us with His Spirit. And He's already given us life abundantly. And He's already established us a place in heaven. He's already gone away. Are you listening to me? He's already gone away and He's preparing a home for you. And He promised that He's going to come back and get you. These are eternal truths that never fail they never fade they don't shift they don't change he's not gonna one day say i'm just kidding this is real 
Jesus really did die. And he really did raise from the dead. And he really did ascend. He went up and sat down next to the Father. And he poured out his spirit into your heart and into my heart. And you and I can either choose to live from that amazing truth and reality and perspective, or you can choose to live from the reality and the perspectives that you live in currently. As Christians, we've lost hope. We've lost what we have, and we deem our, we deem our attitude off of, or sorry, we, we, we live a life and we have an attitude based off of how I'm feeling on that day. And that's why there's this idea and there's this principle and there's this substance of, called faith. Where I can wake up and choose to go, you know what? This morning, Jesus already filled me up. He gave me life and that life doesn't run out. I mean, Jesus said things that if you and I really believe we live a different life. He said, if you drink from me, you'll never be thirsty again. He didn't say if you drink from me, you'll be quenched for that day. And the next morning, you got to get quenched again. He said, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. He said in, in, he said in, in John chapter 4. And in John chapter 6, we study this. If you <clears throat> eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. I mean, those are bold statements. He wasn't kidding. He wasn't trying to flatter us. He wasn't giving us a false hope. He's trying to encourage us. That once you've believed in me, you're good. You're good. Like you're set. All inclusive. From here out. I bought the plane ticket. Just get on the airplane. All all you can eat. All you can sleep, all you can swim, all you can fish, all you can dance. It just never ends, and it's inside of you. And by the way, this isn't a joke, this is real. See, when you live from that perspective, when Jesus says, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, it's a lot easier. You know, if, if Jesus was sitting there with the disciples and, and Jesus could have said so many things to Peter in that time. He could have said, Peter, you're a loser, bro. Sorry. Got nothing for you. But I mean, Peter's sitting there with a huge net of fish. He's going, Peter, take the excess. And I want you to give it away. Okay. What does that mean for you and I? It means that if we have Jesus... We have more than enough. It means you don't need 
to go get more every morning. It means that you can either choose to believe you have more than enough, or you can choose to believe that you don't. It means, you know what? I don't totally love God all the time, but I know He loves me, and I know He's fed me, and I know He's given me more than enough, so I'm just going to go give. It means, you know, by myself, I'm a failure, but when I believed in Jesus, He fed my heart, and He fed my soul, and He promised me an inheritance with Him forever, and I'm sitting here with this big bag of grace, I'm sitting here with this big bag of love, and I got so much more. I don't even know what to do with it. I got 153 fish, and I don't know if I'm supposed to eat it. <laughs> I'm already full. I mean, if I, if I believe that I'm not full, then I can keep eating it and just become obese. But I'm already full. I have this big bag of fish, and so maybe I'm supposed to feed people. Maybe my life now... It's more about other people since God made his life about me. Maybe my life now is about feeding other people since God already fed me. Maybe my life now is about laying my life down for other people since he laid his life down for me. Maybe my life is to love somebody so much because he loves me so much. Maybe my life is supposed to be a blessing to somebody else because he's blessed me so much. Maybe my life is to encourage other people because God has encouraged and continues to encourage me so much. Maybe my life is to speak the truth and to impart life to other people because God has spoken the truth to me and imparted so much life to me. Maybe my life is to pray for somebody because God has so generously and without, without fail prayed for me and continues to pray for me. So maybe my life is supposed to be praying for other people. Maybe my life is supposed to listen to people because God has non-stoply listened to me. He's saying words like that so you're, you're listening. Maybe the reason why I got a big bag of fish so I can go give out this fish and feed God's people. And see, so yeah, you can either believe that you're sitting on a beach without any food Without a, with, with a net that's empty, and you can live from this perspective of, oh God, I'm so hungry, and I got nothing, and I'm a loser. Or you can believe that you're like Peter, sitting on a beach, you just ate breakfast with Jesus, you're filled, you're satisfied, you're saved forever, and you got a big net that's full of fish, and you're asking the question, what do I do? I go feed God's people. I go give to God's people. You know, but that's not the way that the American church sets it up. You know how we set it up? We come, and we listen to one guy like me, and we go, okay, fill me up. Okay. Keep going. Yep, almost full. Bing, I'm out of here. You know? Now I got enough to go get somebody. Rather than, I'm already filled. And my mind needs to be renewed and I need to understand who I am and what I have and what he's done in me and what he's given me and how he's blessed me and how he's loved me. Because if I understand that, if I understand that my net is full and my belly is full, if I understand that my belly is full and my net is full, then my goodness, I got so much to give, right? 
Okay. Right? Anybody? Hello? Help? Job English. You know what? You're in debt. The Bible says. You know who you're in debt to? You're in debt to me. And you're in debt to the person sitting next to you. And you're in debt to your mom. And you're in debt to your dad. And you're in debt to your teacher. And you're in debt to the person you can't stand. And you're in debt to the person that you think is the coolest person in the world. You are in debt. Say this with me. I... Come on, somebody. I am in debt. You owe something to me. And you owe something to the person sitting next to you. You know what it is? Love. You got a big net that's full of fish. And it's almost about to break, but it won't break. It's not going to give up. It's not going to break on you. It's strong, and it's holding that fish in there. It's holding that love. And your life is supposed to give. You know what? When you see your friend, you wake up in the morning, you see your friend, you feel like Pete Diddy. Sorry. You wake up in the morning, and you see your friend. Do you know that when you wake up, you actually owe them something? Are you following me? Come on, follow me, somebody. I'm trying to wrap this up. i got two minutes. You owe, you owe, you owe him some. If I owed my friend two dollars, and I every time I saw them, what would I think? Oh crap! I owe him two bucks. I have this one friend. I borrowed his truck, and I didn't fill up his truck with gas for a while. And every time I saw him, I'd be reminded, "Oh dang, I owe him gas money." Now, what what would happen if every time you came across a human being, which by the way, there's many here. And there's many at home, and there's many at school, and there's many at work, and there's many in the store, and there's many in the hallways, and there's many in the, you hear it, there's many at the restaurants. <laughs> what would happen if you thought, I owe this person love? How different would your life be? You know how, you know how our life is now? Oh God, you owe me love. I'm done. Get away from me! Anybody? I don't know what this means, but anybody? <laughs> Help. I have nothing. No, you have everything. And you have more than enough. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you. You are in debt to every single human being. You know why? Because God has poured out His love and He's poured out His grace and He's poured out His life so abundantly upon you, so that you would give. So that you would bless. So that you would love. It's, it's overwhelming. And since I've been trying to live this life, I've found that it's so much easier to love. When I live from the perspective that I'm sitting on a beach with no fish and no food, life sucks. <clears throat> would you stand with me?
Do you know what your role is as the body? Your role is to give love to each other. Your role is to feed each other. But so many people think that it's a pastor's job. He's supposed to feed the sheep. That's one of my, that, that is my role, but that's your role equally as it is my role. Did you hear what I said? That is your role equally as it is my role. If it's only my role, like a dinner role, no, if it's only my responsibility, then my goodness, there's going to be a lot of hungry people, right? 